This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Okay, so what did you get to drink? Water. Oh, well, it's Sunday night. And actually, um, so my friend Nicole has been posting about this. And actually, I went to see, you know, I went to see, and that's why we drink on Thursday night. I know, I'm so jealous. I know, it was amazing. But beforehand, we went to the Carbach Brewing Company. And I hope I'm saying that right. Carbach? Sure. Um, but they didn't have this. And I wanted to try it while I was there because my friend Nicole posts, posts about it on Instagram all the time. So I just bought some. And it's a, it's called the Daybaker Brut Rosé Ale. Yum. Food with cranberry and hibiscus. It's an IPA. And it's super yum. And Nicole, like now you're an influencer. You can email Carbach and say you've been mentioned on a podcast promoting their stuff. Yeah, get that money, money girl. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she posts about it all the time, and I get real jealous because all I do is drink Cabernet. <laughs> right. Speaking of influencer, did you see I got my first uh, influencer deal? Yes, that's amazing. It's only taking me a year. I know, but that's awesome. What did we say about messages during the podcast? I thought I had it on silent. <laughs> I need you to only pay attention to me right now. Listen, do you know how important and popular I am? Yeah, so am I. But I just use this thing where I turn off my ringer. Well, and then I, I put to... my phone on a towel so that it doesn't vibrate. On I, the in table. fact, <laughs> never have my sound on, ever. So unless somebody has sent a snap video, I turn it on just to listen to that. And then I usually mm-hmm. turn it back off. Turn it back off, yeah. It's been like since 2008 that I haven't had a ringer. <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, I saw, um, and that's why we drink on Thursday. They were incredible. I actually, um, I had not gotten meet and greet tickets, but while we were at the meetup, somebody posted that their friend had bailed and so they had one. So I actually did end up with meet and greet tickets. I got to hug Em and Christine. Um, Em is the best hugger in the whole world. I want to hug Em all the time. And Christine is like strikingly beautiful. Like you can see in her Instagram that she's very pretty, but she has one of the most beautiful faces I've ever seen in my life. And that is why I drink today. Um, did you tell them about us? God, no. I, the whole time I was like, I'm going to plug our podcast. I'm going to plug our podcast. And then I got up there and I was like, hi, I love you so much. And then, <laughs> and then I took a picture and they were like, thank you, next. <laughs> so I've never been starstruck, which also- I was super, I was super starstruck. Well, that also, also- M's hug totally threw me off because it was amazing that's funny Um, (laughs) i'm super jealous of allison and now i kind of have a crush on him (laughs) i think i freaked out more over meeting people that i consider to be famous podcasters than i would over meeting an actual famous person that's fair i think if i met georgia and karen i would freak out like that yeah like if i met like if i ever run into amanda jacobson in the wild (laughs) there will be a restraining order involved i'm sure I love her so much. Anyways. All right. (laughs) Now that everybody thinks I'm crazy. I'm really (laughs) not crazy. I promise. I really just want a detailed uh, breakdown of how you keep your hair that same color. Because I don't have a crazy color hair and I feel like it fades so quickly. 
I miss my crazy colored hair. You had the best crazy colored hair this summer. That's the, awesome. The minute I'm not a teacher anymore, I'm going to permanently have my hair teal. You should. It really suits you. I really um want at some point to get like true like pink and purple streaks in my hair. I really I've had some subtle ones and they were really nice, but I want the full effect. Right. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that Snapchat filter that makes your hair like hot pink? Yes. That's my jam. I'm all into that right now. So this summer I dyed my hair teal and then Sarah dyed her hair like a reddish color, not far off from your hair, Mm -hmm. but she hated it. She said that she just could never get used to it. Every time she looked in the mirror, it surprised her. And I just had to laugh because I dyed my hair blue, and every time I looked in the mirror, I was like, this is how God was supposed to create me. (laughs) (laughs) This is my, um, this is my, my color is my Kate Middleton color. Makes me feel a little bit more royal, a little bit closer to my future BFF. You're always royal. I know. (laughs) With or without the pearls. Thank you. Appreciate it. (sighs) So you want to talk about something really depressing? Yeah. Wait, is it this movie? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, seriously, this movie is fucking depressing. Um, I cried more than once during this movie and not like ironically or because I was laughing. I like ser- it was horrible. Oh. Um, I think Lifetime does two kind of true crime genres and one is like the this is salacious and quote unquote sexy and so we're gonna like sex it up and put it on TV and then like this one that's like this is a real horrible thing we're trying to bring attention to this right. issue. Right. And so this was the second kind. Um I tried to find the humor in this, but um this story is real real depressing. Oh no. <laughs> I'm so sorry listeners. Please don't quit. All eighty six of you, we love you. Next week is uh Gypsy Rose Blanchard. We promise to make it up to you. Yes, we do. <laughs> I can't wait for that. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Speaking of, please remind me to go set my DVR when I'm done with this. Go set your DVR. I said when I'm done with this. Oh. Are we done? <laughs> kind of. Okay. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. The Grim Sleeper was released on March 15th, 2004. It has um, Dreama Walker as Christine Pelasek. She was in Gran Torino. Okay. Which, uh-huh. Um, also, one of her top billings on IMDb is Waitress in Sex and the City. <laughs> <laughs> which I loved. But the thing that most people will know her from, not you, is Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. I have seen exactly three episodes of that because James Vanderbeek was on an episode or two. Yes. Well, he was on most of them. Okay. Well, I only yeah. saw a couple and I knew he was on it. Yeah. Um, so she's the, the blonde girl. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we have Macy Gray as Margette. We all know who Macy Gray is. I'm not going to sit here and expound Try upon who Macy Try to say goodbye and not choke. <laughs> I was trying to avoid that, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we have Ernie Hudson as Detective Jerry Claymore. Do you know where he's from? Um, the Bronx. No? Oh, I was just guessing that's where he was born. Not where he's from. <laughs> what show he's from? Oh, my God. 
Um, Sesame Street reimagined. Ghostbusters. I've never seen it. What? <laughs> I've never seen Ghostbusters. You've never seen Ghostbusters? I've never seen Ghostbusters. You are a disgrace. Have you ever read Anna Karenina? Yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the last guy, we have Michael O'Neill as Detective Sims. And I'm, he has a lot of things. He was, he actually played a secret, secret service agent on the West Wing. Okay. Um, but what he, I know him from mostly, and it's funny because I actually talked about this last week, they, the shooting episode of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. He was the shooter. <laughs> it all comes back to Grey's. It all comes back to Grey's Anatomy. Shonda Rhimes runs the world. Just Have yeah. you read her book, The Year of Yes? No, but I think I'm going to order it on Audible. I'm, I'm trying to decide between Becoming by Michelle Obama and that one. I would do Becoming. Mostly, here's the thing, is... And at least Shonda Rhimes is aware that her premise only works if you are filthy rich in Shonda Rhimes. True. But it's the yeah. year of her doing everything she gets invited to. Yeah. And I just don't know that I want to listen to how bad my life is for several hours as I read about how great hers is. True. And also I really, but I'm just, I'm trying to find something, um, uh, like future oriented motivational kind of. Right. And I've heard Michelle Obama's book is really good for that. And that's what I'm leaning towards. I think I'm going to read that. I really love her anyway. So I've heard really good things about Shonda Rhimes. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to think that I've talked shit about Shonda Rhimes. Shonda Rhimes is going to have you murdered. Bye. <laughs> Give me a vacation. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to talk about this movie? Yeah. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we open, it's a cold open. We open in LA. It's um, 1987. A woman, she gets into a car and it's, um, we just see a, yeah. Okay. So three episodes now you said it's a cold open and I just nod like I know what that means. Oh, gosh. I'm going to like, okay, you know, an SNL when they go right into a skit? Yes. That's a cold open. Thank you. As opposed to what? Do they call it a warm open when they lead you into something? Hot open. Hot open. Huh. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Aaron is the artist. A, col- a cold open that. is a teaser. Um, and then I guess a hot open. Um, so a warm up is like an opening act. And I guess a hot opening is where you just go like right into the credits and open. Perfect. Thank you. Sorry. But don't quote me on that. I didn't go to film school. Oh, I'm quoting you. That's, in fact, the title of this episode now is (laughs) just your definition of a hot open. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. People are going to hate us. Um, Okay. So we get a woman. She gets into a car. We see a gun. She gets shot. She's trying to get out of the car. And this whoever shot her is taking a picture of her. Then he... Opens the car door while it's still moving. She rolls out and the shooter like speeds away. She stumbles down the street looking for help. She's wearing incredibly high heels, which keep go girl. Um, cause she just, she didn't take her shoes off. She just like walks down the street. Well, she stumbles cause she's been shot. She's right. clearly in pain. Right? 
Um, the video is like super janky and I think it's supposed to be because she probably actually can't see straight because she's been shot. Right. Again. <laughs> um, she ends up on somebody's front porch and she's like yelling. Um, I guess it's her friend's house. And this little boy like opens the curtain and he looks down at her and she's like, let me in. And then he just like closes the curtain. <laughs> um, and then she maybe just crawls up on the front porch and dies. And I say maybe because the woman is Macy Gray and I'm pretty sure she's in this movie quite a bit. So I don't think she actually dies, but that's where they are going with that. Right. I don't know though. In uh rent that's coming, coming up on Fox. Yeah. They hired Kayala Settle, who was This Is Me uh, in The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Um, they hired her to just sing one part. Which is? The high part in Seasons of Love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's all her part is. So Macy Gray could have been hired to just die. I don't think she was. Actually, I know she wasn't because she comes back. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say goodbye or choke. No. But she stumbled. Yeah, she did. <laughs> um, we cut to 20 years later and a girl is walking into a building that everyone else is walking out of. Like she, it's a very weird shot. She's walking in like down the middle of a hallway and everybody else on the sides is walking out. That's how life works. It was really confusing actually. <laughs> I was like, is, is there some kind of evacuation? What's happening here? It's symbolism. But, sure. Okay. So um, she is the reporter, Christine. She argues with the medical examiner who is her friend while she goes through his entire office. Um, she comes in and she's like, hey, can you please, like, there's been five murders today. Please tell me that there's been a six that I, that nobody knows about yet so I can break the story. And I'm like, girl. <laughs> let's, let's not wish for that, Christine. No. Let's wish for, like. No. No. Okay. Let's so, wish that you figured out who did the murders and you get to break that. Let's not, let's yeah. not wish for an extra murder. So Morales, that's um, the medical examiner. Um, he's like, no. Um, <laughs> and he, she's like opening his fridge. She's like, where's the diet soda? Didn't Carly keep this thing stocked? And he's like, oh yeah, Carly and I broke up. No sad. Um, Cause that's what you need right after a like woman shot in the middle of the street scene is sexual tension. Yeah, um, so she, like, Christine is super incredulous that this guy dumped his girlfriend instead of the other way around, and really, like, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> um, he gets a call about some list, and after Christine prods him very litter, little, litter, little, he tells her it's a list of unsolved murders that might be connected. Dun, dun, dun! She runs back to her office and tells her boss, who is just not impressed at all. Some guy who works with her um, asks her to scare up the meeting, the minutes from uh, yesterday's city council meeting, and then get him some coffee that says in his mug that says "World's Greatest Reporter." I have that same mug. I have an asshole. I have so one that you. says "World's Greatest Podcaster" and one that says "World's Greatest Teacher," and I just have one for everything I do. I have a month that says world's greatest podcaster. Yeah, I, I can't share it with you. You're the worst. <laughs> Judging by this movie, I'm going to break a serial killer case and you're going to leave with your head hung in shame. But that's neither here nor there. Um, we cut to a random house. Um, this lady goes in. This part is very confusing. So um, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. 
Do I need to write it, track it out? No. This lady goes into her, her house and she's like, hey, daddy. So I guess it's her dad's house. Um, her dad's there. And then she's like, hey, where is she? So I thought she was talking about her daughter, but she's not. Um, she goes into this girl's room and she's like a young girl. She's like, you know, 14, 15 years old. She's 15. But um, the girl, I guess, keeps running away and um, because her family makes her go to school, which. <laughs> Same girl. I gotcha. And I'm the teacher. Um, this girl is adopted and um, the older lady who is her sister, we find out later. Um, she says, you know, we've saved you from hell. You're so lucky and you're ungrateful. She tells her that God gives and he takes away and she will be in some kind of misery. If she doesn't behave herself because they'll, you know, have to put her in a different home. Is this foreshadowing? Yes. Damn um, it. So the girl um, naturally puts in her earbuds and then later she sneaks out of the house. Okay. I like to do. I never snuck out of my house when I was little. Younger? Little. (laughs) (laughs) When I was a teenager, I really didn't. I would go to my friend's house. We would sneak out of their house. But I knew better than to sneak out of my own house. I could have snuck out, but I lived on 20 acres in the middle of nowhere. Where was I going to sneak (laughs) to? (laughs) Um, Okay, we cut back to the reporters. She's in the Emmy's office trying to figure out who's on the list. She, like, keeps naming names and he... Just won't answer. And finally, he just gives her the list. He's like, whatever. Take this. Um, Her boss is still very unimpressed. Like, she's kind of stressed out. She says the sales are down. Their ads are down. Um, Christine says, oh, I'm going to work on this story in my um, lunch hour. And she's like, fine, whatever. It's your time. Um, So the older sister is in the alley looking for the girl. And, like, simultaneously cut back and forth between the reporter working on her story and then this girl, like, looking for her sister. Um, uh, Christine calls a detective who is Sims. Okay. Who A, is actively trying to arrest someone <laughs> like while he's on the phone. Excellent. And B, has zero time for her bullshit. <laughs> Why did he answer the phone? I don't know. Maybe he thought it was a hot lead. Um, also, we're 12 minutes into this movie and this is when she says her name is Christine for the first time. Okay. I went back and changed it so that it wouldn't be so... Hard to under, yeah, convoluted. Oh, we don't learn the older sister's name until the third act, and I don't even use her name at all. (laughs) Good. Um, A plus reporting on all accounts. Yes. But the detective ends up following the lead that she gives him about these um, murders being connected. Um, Meanwhile, the sister finds the girl. She's working the street now. Okay. How long has she been gone? I guess like a couple of days. Okay. I was actually, this is all like the same afternoon. No. Okay. Um, the sister's like really excited to see her younger sister. And, but the, the girl is just not having it. Um, she's all, Hey, what are you doing down here? Um, why are you wearing your communion dress? Like she's wearing, so me at home, like she's wearing a shit ton of makeup. She's wearing a super short skirt. You can see her bra. She's in South Central LA standing on a street corner. Like, this is not rocket surgery. <laughs> I know what she's doing. Um, listening to the new Simple Plan album? For sure. Okay. Um, so the young girl, and I'm going to use her name now, even though we don't know it yet. Her name is Zarina. She yells that her sister is not her real sister. So this grown-ass woman, the older sister leaves this 15-year-old girl on a street corner in South Central L.A. 
No. Which I get being super frustrated with somebody. But she didn't go back. That's not, that's not how this works. Especially if you want to tell everyone you saved your sister. Yeah. Um, I've never been to L.A., but I know that's a really bad part of town. So. Yes. It comes up in my story, too. She then gets picked up um, by some some guy. And surprise, surprise, he's gross. Um, he tells her what nice legs she has. She's 15 years old. Gross. Um. Zarina tries to get out of the car, but this guy is our killer and he shoots her. Mm. And I put in here, like, I think this is probably the mistake that gets him caught. Um, killing a girl from the quote unquote right side of town. Right. Which is awful. Like, because you'll find out yeah, like, that he's been doing this for like 25 years. And this is like the, the victim that, you know, spurns this entire investigation. Right. Which is just horrible. Yep. Um, she's 15 years old. She's dead. I'm really sad. Um, this is... Yeah. Christine hightails it to the medical examiner's office and then immediately calls in sick so she can go, like, interview the detective. Right. Which I know, like, when my boss is like, hey, you might get laid off because we're downsizing because we're not making money. I call in sick the next day. Right. That's just what I do. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to get laid off, you better use up those sick days. I mean, you might as well, right? Um, she goes to see the detective and runs into the sister who is raising hell about the, the the paper calling her a prostitute. Okay. Which I get. Like, she didn't know, so. Right. But, um, but Christine's eyes light the fuck up. And she's like, <laughs> <"Ooh!"> <laughs> Um, But Sims has her escorted out of the building. Um. The detective, he then explains to this older sister that, in fact, this 15-year-old girl was a prostitute. Okay. And But they never say why she was prostituting. They were just like, oh, she had this guy's number in her phone. He is a well-known pimp. We confirm this. But they, I don't understand why. I can't imagine that it was something that she wanted to do. Right. She was 15. I can't imagine that she was being forced to because she lived on the quote unquote right side of town and she seemed to have a lot of money. She went to private school. I, it's just very, it was very confusing. They never, they never explain it. Like, I don't know if she had a drug debt or I don't know. They never say, um, the sister leaves the police station and Christine runs her down to the parking lot. So they meet to like have coffee and talk about it. Um, turns out Zarina was severely abused. Um, when the sister's family adopted her, they talk about the abuse she endured, but I'm not going to because it's horrible. Um, she, okay. The sister feels super guilty for leaving her on the street, which I mean, I would feel horrible and I, because I get it. I have a sister and sometimes she pisses me off and I want to leave her on the side of the road. I've threatened to do it millions of times. So I would feel awful if I had done that and something happened. Right. Um, Christine, this is like the first time when I cried in the movie. Um, Christine then cries too. So I don't feel so bad. Um, she tells her a story about her friend dying after Christine left her at a party mm-hmm. like took her car and left her there and she ended up being murdered. So now they're friends. It's a horrible way to bond. It is a horrible way to bond. Um, the detective is at the crime scene and he's like, rush all this. I, w- I don't want any more damn reporters getting ahead of me. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Do your job. Right. I, like literally if a reporter can get her hands on this information, so can you. Right. 
<laughs> she doesn't have like a secret source that nobody knows about. Um, we cut to another house in LA. Um, this little boy is getting into bed and his mom's like tucking him in and she's, she says she's going to meet a friend and he's like, please don't go like, don't go meet them. Um, and that comes back. That's the only reason I'm saying that. Um, we're at a library and um, Christine is finding connection between all the cases that basically he's been killing people since the eighties, which is about 25 years. Okay. Um, she's also looking at a microfiche, which just makes me miss the school library so much. Yes. I love those. I mentioned microfiche the other day and <laughs> people our age looked at me like they didn't know what that was, that they'd never heard it before. Yeah, those people you don't need in your life. No, uh-uh. cut that negativity out. Right. Cut to the police station and a plebeian officer uh, delivers some results to the detective and he freaks the fuck out and like runs to the captain's office. So it must be something good. Yes. He probably won his Bachelor Fantasy League. Probably. Or he, I'm trying to find a Grey's Anatomy reference, but I don't have one. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're back at the Emmy's office and Christine is reading autopsies with her friend. And I'm like, is she supposed to be able to do that? Like the friend, the M.E. or the friend, the sister? Emmy. Okay. No, <laughs> that's a violation of HIPAA and, and probably victims' rights. Right? Okay. So she's reading autopsies. Um, Morales, the Emmy, he asks her out and she just does not get it, which, oh, poor guy. Listen, when doctors ask you out, it's hard to understand. Yeah. He's like, I better be getting a steak dinner for all this. She's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get some dinner whatever. Like, get me the next case. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Um, so this is when we find the survivor, and it's Macy Gray. She tried to say – I'm done. Okay. <laughs> um, Macy Gray, she stalks down Macy Gray in the street, and Macy Gray's like – Fuck off. I don't want anything to do with you. But Christine is like, hey, this guy is still out murdering people. And so they meet in the park to talk. She says she was waiting for a bus and the guy offered her a ride. She says she got no bad vibe from her from him. Nothing told her that it was going to go bad until it did. She says he stopped at his house to get something, but she didn't remember where it was. But don't worry, they will remember later. Good. Um. He then, like, got back in the car. He got really nasty with her. He shot her. He raped her. And he took a picture. And the, she, But she refers, like, there's no good way to refer to rape. But she refers to it as, he helped himself to my body like he had a right. That's and a I was like, poetic way to say that. Yeah, right? I was very impressed. Um, like I said, there's no good way to refer to rape. But that was, you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. So Christine then stalks down this detective guy in the parking lot, Sims. He then, and this is a horrible part, and I'm just going to resist the urge to just screech into the microphone for the next minute. <laughs> okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> Editing is hard when I do that. He confirms that he knows that there's a serial killer, that it's all the same guy. He then says that he didn't put out, that the LAPD did not put out a warning because, and I quote, this is not the way I feel. I am quoting this guy. Prostitutes and drug users don't read the paper. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Um, he makes more racially biased remarks and I blacked out so I don't remember them. <laughs> but they were bad. 
What the fuck? He then says that he does not want the killer to know that they're on to him because then he'll disappear. No, don't try that bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Well, and she says, she's like, so then you're just using these women as bait. Good for her. And he's like, no, that's not it. And she's like, "Mm, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So then she runs back to her boss and tells her boss everything. And her boss is like, okay, now you get the story. You have 72 hours to get into my inbox. She goes to the memorial for Zarina and she tells the family like that, that basically the cops know that it was a serial killer. Um, And we get to the second part where I cried in this movie and it's just a montage of her telling the other families of these women that the cops knew that it was the same guy and nobody ever told them. It it was rough. Listeners, I'm so sorry. I picked this because I find this case fascinating, but I forgot how depressing it is. It's really rough, but it's okay. I, um, It's going to be okay. They caught the guy. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, You don't know that. I have the notes about the real thing. And um, you've you already sent me a picture of his mugshot. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, like, and I get, like, maybe not wanting to make it public for a while, but I don't understand why they would not tell these families. It's horrible. I hate it. I hate everything. I hate the whole, I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it. Yeah, like. Especially the while, fact that these are marginalized women in our society. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate you, it. you can't say you're keeping it a secret for a while if that secret gets a break on its insurance for being so old. Right. It can vote, it can drink, and it's got the cheap rates. <laughs> it's a member of the AARP. Okay, I can't even cut out that I just got a text message because that rant was really good. So you all just have to <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> okay, um, it's horrible, but we're going to get to a, a part that's going to make you laugh. Because the sister barges into the detective's office to scream at him, rightfully so. And this guy has a bulletin board on his wall. With pictures and news stories, and they're all connected with yarn. No. <laughs> like, was Lifetime out of ideas? And they were like, have you ever seen a 1980s cartoon? <laughs> um, also, she, this bitch is a boss. She yells at him about respect. He's like, why don't you try the victim's advocate's office? And he's like, hey, fuck you. Um, he says, oh... But don't, do you feel any better since you know that it was a serial killer? Didn't it just make it harder on you? He's so fucking condescending. I just want to kill him. Um, the sister takes him to task about all of this. She's, um, she says he's treating her and the other victim's families like shit. And I'm like, yes, girl. Um, she yells that no matter what, and this is the truth, no matter what these girls were doing out on the street, they were someone's family. They were loved. They're human beings. Yeah. And then she storms out. You don't get to decide who's important. Yeah. So then we cut to the um, detective in the captain's office where he's, she's now ripping him a new asshole, which I love that the captain is a woman. Um, So the victim's families have all now complained. And, oh, hold on. You know, that's when it's about to get good, right? When I take a big swig. Yep. Um, Did you see me brace myself? I was like, ooh. Yes. Ready? No. Detective Sims then complains to the captain and says, I'm a little tired of racist cop this 
and racist cop that I didn't assault Rodney King. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And I'm like, dude, if you don't want to be called a racist cop, then like, don't be don't one. Don't be racist. <laughs> um, so the captain is like, get your shit together. Why don't you stop complaining and talk to this reporter? He says, no. Um, we cut back to that house with the same little boy. Um, the mom again is saying she's going to go out with her friends. And um, she's like, I've been clean for a long time. But she's, she's blah, blah, blah. Hold on. We cut back to the house with the little boy from earlier. Um, okay. The mom is going to go out with her friends and she's with her brother and then her son. And um, the brother is like, your friends are stupid, which I can't help but agree based on what happens to her. Um, and she's like, hey, I'm clean now. Like, I'm, I'm cleaner than clean. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I just want someone to trust me. And the little boy is like, I trust you, mama. No, oh, no. Yeah. Anytime there's a little kid who says something like that, I start to worry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, reporters bought uh, Christine's boss reads her story and decides to run it on the cover. And then she does this thing. And I guess it's a thing that um, the news media does because I've, you know, been around the true crime block. She says, we need to come up with a catchy name for this killer. Why can't, and I know that this is a hot topic on several podcasts I've listened to, but why can't you just call him, like, the shit-faced bitch? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Don't use that one. It's not quippy, but they don't get a cool nickname. They're not Spider-Man. They are fucking killing people. Right. I don't don't understand why a serial killer needs a, you know, catchy name. He just doesn't. Okay, so they go into a dark room and they're trying to come up with this name, right? And they come up with the following and it's comic relief time. Thank God. So at first, um, Christina's like, let's just call him 25 caliber killer, 25 caliber killer, which is what the cops call him. Okay. Um, They come up with the Western Avenue killer. Okay. The Western Avenue slayer. Better. And then this is my favorite. The Rip Van Slayer. <laughs> because they're talking about how he took a break like Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> That's so bad. They're right? all awful. Yeah. So then uh, Christine's like, I know what to call him. And then you see her typing in the headline. It's the Grim Sleeper. Which is by far the stupidest serial killer name still. I don't know. Like the Grim Slayer. has got a little excessive after a while. Well, that's just. The East Area Ravens, original Night Stalker, Golden State Killer. Like that's so many names. It's because they didn't connect him until way, way later. But still. Right. It's a lot. A lot. Um, so the mom is out alone. She's not with her friend. She's like walking down the street, hopefully to her friend's house. Um, somebody pulls up next to her and hits on her, offering her a ride. Um, he. Can you describe the car to me? What color is it? You don't see. Oh damn! Okay. Um, the killer. Or well, it's the killer. Spoiler alert. Um, he then offers her some drugs. I don't know what kind of drugs. He's like, "Why don't you come? Like, I have this pipe in here, so that could be anything." Just they didn't lifetime didn't know, so they were like, "Let's just say he had drugs." Yeah, drugs. So he offers her drugs and she gets in the car. 
Um, and I get, they don't show her getting in the car, but you see the flash and the Polaroid and, um, she's dead. Okay. So the detective is shaving and the captain calls because she is pissed. And I put, let's see, this is pissed all capitalized with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven S's, seven S's. Oh, so she's she also a pissed. snake. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She speaks parcel tongue. Um, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. I went there. Um, she's like, hey, there's five news vans outside my building. There's protesters. It's real bad. Um, he's getting ripped a new one in the, once he gets to the office. And um, Ghostbusters pops in and he's like, uh, they found another body. It's the mom. Um and finally, Sims is like, fine. If this was the same guy, then I was wrong. She could have been warned. Yes, And I'm like, cool. This is like the 12th victim. You are correct, sir. Way to be slow on the uptake. How did he become a detective? Is it Milwaukee? I still haven't it's forgiven not. them. <laughs> it's South Central <laughs> LA, remember? I know. I know. <laughs> um... The reporter is telling um, Morales, the medical examiner guy, about her promotion. Um, and while she's doing so, the victim's brother shows up to identify the mom's body. Um, and it's really horrible. And even Christine realizes how horrible it is because Morales finds her in her car. She's like crying. Um, she's like sobbing. She's like, I thought the article would make him stop. You know, I thought maybe he would go away. And so the her friend... Um, Morales tells her, you're a stubborn ass bulldog reporter. You're going to figure this out. Like you're the most stubborn person I know, which all really great compliments for sure. I'm not even being sarcastic. I'm serious. Okay. I need <laughs> to ask, how do you respond when the guy who has a crush on you that y'all have discussed dead bodies together, looks you in the face and says, you're a bulldog and the most stubborn person I know. Oh, I, I aspire to be the most stubborn person anyone knows. Okay. So. <laughs> um, She's like, oh, you're such an amazing friend. And then, <laughs> on, no, no. Then he does the thing that guys do. And I'm here to tell you first, the friend zone is not real. Right. Okay. Here's the thing about the friend zone. She just doesn't like you and that's fucking okay. Putting yourself in the friend zone victimizes yourself. Right. You're not a victim because a girl doesn't want to go out with you. It's just such a two-sided coin because guys are like, I hate being in the friend zone. But don't you dare expect them to date a girl that they think is ugly. No, she's cool, but I won't, you know, like. I don't get the friend zone thing, but I get that he's probably frustrated because she's basically been using him for all this information. Except you have allowed yourself to be used. True. True. Like, True. like you don't pursue a relationship with anybody by just giving them the things they ask for. You pursue sure. a relationship by saying, hey, let's talk about a relationship or however you need to bring that up. Right. Oh, no, you're right. I'm just saying I, I understand his plight a little. I do understand. I'm trying to be a nice person. You're not. I know I'm not, <laughs> but it's Sunday and I went to church. You did. Congrats. I did not go to church. Um... Um, the detective is giving a press conference about the victim and how they're going to be setting up the task force. And this is amazing because a different reporter is like, what are you calling the task force? Is it going to be the Grim Sleeper Task Force? And he's like, uh, no. So right now we're calling it the 800 Task Force. 
And the other reporter's like, why? And Detective Sims is like, well, that's the, uh, that's the room where we meet in this building. That's fair. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, Christine, like, walks into the um, room and then walks, like, right back out. But Detective Sims is like, hey, this other guy is going to answer all the rest of your questions. And he chases her down. So he blames her for the media firestorm, says it's her fault. Um, He says he also refers to himself as the third person, which is like refers to himself in the third person, which is the fourth strike for me. This guy's so out. Um, He's like, Detective Sims is here managing the media. He's not out solving the case. No, 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 no. Unless you are actually Queen Elizabeth. You don't get to refer to yourself in the third person because I don't think even she does that. I don't think she does that. She's allowed to because (laughs) I love her. Yeah. Look, Queen Elizabeth can do whatever the fuck she wants. Especially if she brings her corgis. Mm -hmm. Um, So Christine's like, hey, it's all good. I'm working on the case. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. We're saved. This Save Your South Central is here. Christine. I mean, but she's not wrong because. (laughs) It's true. Um, he flips out and he kicks her out. He kicks her out of the building. So, but then he's, you know, but, you know, she keeps telling him, you know, you need to talk to these people's families because I've been talking to their families. Um, so then he actually does that. He reaches out to the victim's families. Cut to Christine. She's riding in cars with Macy Gray, which I mean, dreams do come true. That is a much better movie than riding in cars with boys. That movie was terrible. <laughs> Riding cars with Macy Gray, I'm here for. Yeah, me too. Um, so they're driving past like the scene where she was picked up um, from the bus stop. She's like, that's the bus stop. Um, Sims, meanwhile, is going to meet with the family. He brings um, Claymar, which is Ghostbusters, who um, rides with him. And then he's like, hey, good luck, dude. I'm not going in there. He's like, I know you brought me because I'm black. But I'm not going in there. (laughs) And um, so Sims is like, hey, uh, I thought you wanted to be on this task force. And he's like, I do want to be on this task force because I have nieces that live in this neighborhood and I don't want them to be murdered. Right. Um, So Christine then drives to the meeting, um, but Macy Gray won't go in. She says, um, this is really sad. She says, I should be with the victims, not with their family. Um, So Sims walks into this meeting. with the victim's family. And dude, this guy should be shitting himself because these people are pissed and they should be, right. they should be oh, furious. They should. Yeah. Um, Christine shows up at the meeting and the detective is like, uh, no, 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 we're not having the press here. And the older sister is like, uh, I invited her here. And, um, he's like, well, there's other victims, families here. And, um, the other victims families are like, yeah, but she told us the truth about what's going on here. So she gets to stay. Right. <laughs> Yay. Um, and then they yell at him about how terribly this case is going. Afterwards, Christine like congratulates him on the street. She's like, hey, you, you really are able to take a beating because they yelled at him for two hours. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and he's like, hey, like, thanks for sticking up for me and reminding them that I didn't have anything to do with this case in the 80s. Like. Right. He was like, I was just a baby cop back then. I hadn't even grown my mustache yet. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the mark of a true cop. He didn't say that, but I, I imagine that's well, the way the conversation really went. That is. I've got this. Look, I've got the transcript right here. Thank you. You're welcome. 
<laughs> Thank you for blindly supporting my stupid ideas. <laughs> um, he then he confirms that city council did offer to um, vote to offer a reward and to put up billboards so that they can, you know, warn people about this terrible guy. Um, she's, you know, Christine's very proud of herself. She's like, look, I did some good. And he's like, yeah, but this really complicates things for me. And I, I, I understand where this guy is coming from with the fact that having the family so involved in the case probably does make it more complicated. Right. But also he's like, all I want to do is just catch this killer. And, you know, but the problem is you're dealing with like human relationships. And so it's not ever going to be that cut and dried and simple. Right. Never. Um, so then he leaves and the sister's like, he's not the most likable guy in the world, is he? And Christine's like, yeah, he's growing on me. Of course. So then the reporter is in her office. Christine, I'm sorry. I'm, these notes are all over the place. Um, Christine is in her office and she's she gets a letter that says, you should have stayed out of this, bitch. That's how you know you're onto something. And then accompanying this is a photo of his Roscoe. <laughs> Why? Why? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. I just. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Wait, but her boss calls it his Jiggly Wiggly. So which one do we like better? Oh, we could have remember, remember, this could have like great implications on the rest of our podcast. I know. God, I really want a shirt that says, I want a shirt that's the great debate, Jiggly Wiggly or Roscoe. <laughs> that's our first merch item. <laughs> team Roscoe, Team Jiggly Wiggly. <laughs> I think I'm team Jiggly Wiggly. <laughs> oh, I don't know what team I'm on yet, but check back. Um, the detective comes to collect the letter and the photo, and um, her boss is like, hey, I'm really concerned about this guy tracking her down. Um, but Christine's like, I'm unlisted. He can't find me. Good. And the detective is like, hey, why don't you stay out of uh, South L.A.? And she's like, stay out of your case? No way, dude. Um, so they next they go to the unveiling of the billboards and the detective is like really frustrated because he can't find the guy. Um, but his cold detective heart is growing three sizes. So yay. I guess. Yeah. Um, so do, 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 do. they want to make flyers. And so they go to the police station to like make them the copies. Um, and while they're there, they get a, like a really good tip about a guy in a red car. So we're riding in cars with Macy Gray again, and they find the street where she was shot. Okay. Um, they find the house um, that was, wait, hold on. Oh, so they find the house that he said was his like way back then. But like in my head, I'm like, this cannot be this guy's house because people aren't really that dumb. Are they? Um, they could be. Um, but Macy Gray is that dumb. Cause she wants to go knock on the door and like, no, just beat this. Macy. <laughs> But Christine stops her and they call Sims. Good. So Sims then has to come like hold her back. And they say, actually, they staked, they staked this house out in the 80s because they got a tip that the, because she had mentioned an orange Pinto. And they had gotten a tip that there was a car there, that same car. Gotcha. Um, but the murderer didn't live there. And the guy that did live there back then is dead now. Okay. But they're going to reopen everything and look at it. Um, Macy Gray gets really upset and she leaves. Um, 
everyone is super frustrated. Um, the detective actually asked the reporter to look into the house and see if she can find anything. That's how fed up he is. <laughs> Uh, he's like, God, at this point, anybody will do. Um, so while all this is happening, um, oh, he, he then tells her, like, you can find, um, you can, you, blah, 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 blah. Um, he tells her not to give up, that she's doing a really great job. So this little Grinch heart is so full. It's oh. so happy. Yeah. Um, while they're talking about all this, they happen to get a flat tire. Okay. And a guy comes to fix it. And while they're there, uh, Claymar, the other detective, is like, hey, that guy used to work for the LAPD. But me, I'm like, ooh, a random, a seemingly random character being introduced during the third act. He's the murderer. Um, or the hired magician to break the tension. Yeah. Um, he's the murderer. Uh, arrest him. I'm arrest so him. trying. I'm always wrong. It was him. Um, but they don't, um, they don't arrest him right now. They just decide to use a decoy. The reporter, Christine, tells um, Macy Gray she really wants to do a story on her. And Macy Gray's like, no, um, she's not into it. So Christine goes home and she's a little bit freaked out. It's dark. There's dogs barking, whatever. She checks her mail and she should have been freaked out because there's an envelope in there that says, found you, bitch. Oh, no. Nope. <clears throat> I'm, I don't know why. It must be my ADHD. I think I need to up my dosage. But you said there's an envelope. And I really thought you were going to say there was hair in it. And I don't know why. That's what I thought. Like, what part of my brain said he sent her hair? No. She checks her mail and there's just an envelope. And there's a Polaroid, but I didn't say what the Polaroid was of. So it must not have been that interesting. She goes to stay with um, the sister who tell like they're having this conversation about how busy she is and she doesn't have a lot of friends in LA. And she, the sister's like, but you deserve love and romance. And Christine's like, cool. So what you reading about DNA? <laughs> um, and specifically there, she's reading about familial DNA. Okay. Which spoiler is going to crack this case. Is it? It is in this movie, at least. Um, Back to the detectives who are the worst backup ever. They have this poor woman decoy walking around out in the street and they're asleep. Oh my God. But they wake up in time for the action. Oh, good. Great police work, guys. Good job. Um, it's a red car. So they jump the gun and like take him down. Um, they pull him out of the car. And this is my favorite part of the movie. You ready? Wait. They pull this guy out of the car because they're just sure it's their killer. The detectives, you know, slams him against the car. He looks at him and he goes, you're white. Ah! <laughs> because we know from DNA that the killer is not white. <laughs> but it's hysterical. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> um... So they're next they're at a protest because the LAPD is considering uh, dissolving the task force. Um, and one of the family members of the girls leaves in a red car. Don't do it. Don't and do I guess that. nobody sees that. I'm like, hey, right there, red car. It's the guy. Um, but nobody listens to me. Ever. Um, it's really a shame. Um, the detective calls Christine to thank her for keeping this in the public eye. Um, the same day it's Zarina's birthday and the sister's like super upset. She says that nobody cares that you can't make people care. 
Um, she even tells Christine, like, you only care about the headline. Um, but they have a moment, and now they're, like, BFFs. Right. Um, so Detective and Co. are walking to the captain's office. Um, but the captain, like, storms down the hall and pulls them into the men's room. And there's a joke there, but I don't know it. Um <laughs> So she's like, basically, you know, I can't trust that nobody else will hear this. They ran the familial DNA. Um, and it's the guy who used to work at the LAPD who fixed the flat. Like, I knew it. It was, I, I cracked this case wide open. Why it, don't they hire you for more stuff? They really should, right? So we cut to the killer. Um, and he has the victim's mom in his car. She's the one that got in the red car. Mm-hmm. Um. At the same time, Christine is, like, in the neighborhood. She's Because she had told the sister, like, I'm so frustrated. I'm just going to go knock on doors. Right. So Christine is knocking on the doors. This woman is in this guy's car. Um, it's very terrible. The police are, like, on their way to arrest him. It's just very tense. Oh, um, I'm getting anxiety, and I didn't even watch this thing. Yeah. Um, so Christine goes to the house next door. She's knocking on the door. The guy is outside watering his yard, like the murderer. And he sees her and she knows it's him and he knows that she knows it's him. Uh oh. And so she like takes a picture of him and she's sending it to Macy Gray that says like, is this him? And thank you, Lord, the police show up right then and they arrest him. God, I had anxiety over that scene. And no, it, it was, it was very, it was pretty tense. Like it, I was like, Oh shit. Cause he like starts to move towards her. And that's when like 10 cop cars pull down the street and they take this guy down. It's pretty crazy. See, Cause you did not tell me what minute Mark we're in. Like you have in the past months. I mean, the past oh, episodes. So oh I'm yeah. Like, oh, I meant to, I'm sorry. Right okay. now at the beginning of this scene where they ran the familial DNA and they go to get the guy. Uh-huh. We're at one twelve. Okay. These they movies are all, all the one hour and 27 minutes long. They save all the action for that last 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, so they really want a confession. And I'm guessing um, because the familial DNA is so new. And are you going to talk about familial DNA? Because I can. A little bit. Okay. I'm going to talk about how they got it and why it's used. And okay. that it was yeah. okay. controversial. Perfect. I just want to make sure that we address it. Because I wasn't going to. Because I thought you were going to. And I meant to ask. But I forgot. Yeah. Um, so they, so basically they wanted confession because this DNA is so new, it could be contested in court. Right. And from what I can understand, it has been, um, yep. in this case, particularly, um, and while they were searching his house, they found all of the Polaroids that he had taken. This killer is not biting. Sims throws a stack of Polaroids on this desk and he's like, we found hundreds of these in your house. And so the theory from the from all the photos is that he never actually took a break. They just never found these other women's bodies. God, that's awful. Yeah. We wrap up with Macy Gray singing Hallelujah, which is um, a, one of my favorite songs. Like the um, one from Shrek? Yeah. Okay. That one. Mm-hmm. I was like. I was going to tell you. The I don't know it from Shrek, but yes. But I can only come up with his last name is Cohen, and I cannot think of his first name for the life of me. I don't know. Um, so it says on the screen, Lonnie Franklin Jr. was arrested on July 7th, 2010. He has been charged with 10 counts of murder and one count of attempted murder. He has pled not guilty to all charges and he is presumed innocent unless and until he is found guilty. His case has had extensive pretrial hearings in the Los Angeles Superior Court. He is currently being held without bail in the then central jail in Los Angeles where he awaits trial. 
Um, so then we flash to the reporter telling the families that they arrested the guy. Everybody hugs and cries. Um, she then like goes to Macy Gray's house and she, she's happy too. Um, and then Christine goes on a date with the medical examiner, which is all I really wanted to know about. <laughs> My id gaff is showing. But it's like a double date with the detective and uh, the sister. Um, awkward. Yeah, but it's adorable. It's fine. Um, the end is just a black screen that says this film is dedicated to the victims of the Grim Sleeper and their families. That's sweet, at least. And that's it. Mm-hmm. This case is fucking horrible. Thanks for picking it. Listen, I do what I can. Yeah. All right. You're up, buddy. All right. So, um, <laughs> I'm, I am going to say right now, I did not cast this film because it was so horrible. And I want to spend a little bit of time, and I told you this in the text yeah. earlier, that um, I want to spend some time acknowledging the victims. Um, not right now, but toward the end, to acknowledge the victims. And I felt like trying to cast this movie, I don't know, was going to take away from that. Well, also, I think a movie like this, um, unless you knew kind of how they were going to play the story out right. on the outset, it would have been hard to cast. Cause who were you going to cast? You know? Right. Um, so from the top, I, uh, my sources, I always start with the Wikipedia article. It just gives me a good general sense of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I read lone survivor of grim sleeper of the grim sleeper killer provides vivid account of ordeal that ran in the LA times by Steven Caesar. Um, I read Grim Sleeper, Serial Killer, Everything You Need to Know by Suzanne Zuppello that was in Rolling Stone magazine. Uh I read the ParCast killer profile on the Grim Sleeper, which, by Mm -hmm. the way, I love the ParCast. If y'all have not listened to the Serial Killers um, show, it's scripted and it's very well researched and it's not this back and forth like a lot of popular podcasts, but it is so good. Um. And then I, um, and then I ended with only good victims need apply tales of the grim sleeper and poor black women in crack culture by Regina Austin. And that was from the law blog at UPenn. Um, so needless to say, it was a real light reading kind of situation. Just next week cannot come fast enough because all I'm going to do is bag on D.D. Blanchard. It's going to be great. Um, So I'm Quentin Tarantinoing this thing. On November 20th, 1988, 30-year-old Anitra Washington was walking to a friend's house when a man in a bright orange Ford Pinto pulled up and began talking to her. And uh, he acted like he was going to chatter up and he was whatever. I That was a mm-hmm. phrase that she used, but he was going to chatter up and he asked repeatedly if she wanted a ride to her friend's house. And mm-hmm. she declined, and um, he says, that's the problem with you black women. Or that's what's wrong with you black women. People can't be nice to you. And I'm sorry. Shut Can the we fuck just up. point, like, I just want to point out on the outset that this is not a white man. So, yeah. again. No. Which would make it worse, but it's still terrible. I, <clears throat> that is <sighs> so fucked up. So eventually, um, so spoiler alert, Anitra Washington is the survivor. And that's how I have this information. 
Excellent. But so she described him as like nerdy. She said he was put together. He wore a polo mm-hmm. and khakis and he ha- was oddly neat in appearance. Well, she says that in the movie where she's talking about um, she didn't get a bad vibe. She's like, this guy looked like he had just gotten off from work. Like oh. he was a working guy. He had a, you know, a decent car. He didn't look like, you know, a, a dirt bag. Right. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Although he does in his mugshot. So there's yeah. that. So she said she felt bad for him. Like he just seemed lonely. So she got in um, and told her where she was going, told him where she was going. Mm -hmm. And he starts driving in the opposite direction of her friend's house. Nope. Right. So, and immediately her red flags went up. She was really worried. And he said, Oh no, it's fine. I just have to go by my uncle's house and get some money. Um, And then I'll take you where you need to go. So he Mm -hmm. stopped at a house and he went in and got something out back in the car and so they're on the road, headed back in the direction of the friend's house now. And mm-hmm. she thought he said something. So she turned to ask him what he said. And that's when she notices that blood is pouring out of her chest. And so what she thought he'd said was just the crack of a gunshot in the car. <sighs> and so um, he said that that's what she deserved for disrespecting him by trying to turn down his advances. Uh huh. Gentlemen, <laughs> not only does no woman owe you anything, some random woman that you insist on driving somewhere doesn't owe you a goddamn thing. Shows you less than nothing. I mean, she already doesn't owe you if you take her on a date, if you do it, she doesn't owe you anything. But you literally. Convince this woman to get in your car to drive her somewhere. And then you're like, you're disrespecting me by not. Oh, I hate this guy. Okay. Um, So instead of taking Anitra to the hospital, like she begged, he, she said he forced himself on top of her. Um, and she went into a little bit more vivid detail than I really want to, because bless her, it doesn't need to be relived. Bless her heart. Um, so then he pushed her out of the car and left her on the side of the road to die. He did take a picture of her and, uh, took some souvenirs like jewelry and stuff. Um, so now flash to Lonnie David Franklin Jr. was born August 30th, 1952 in South Central, which is a neighborhood in LA. It's got a really high crime rate. Um, unfortunately, your Lifetime movie sounded really, really accurate. And that makes me really sad. That was really accurate. Yeah, this is one that I wish had not been accurate. It maybe been a little bit more salacious and funny because I feel like we have not been funny at all. Right. <laughs> but we're, you know, we'll get there. It's fine. So not much is known about his childhood, which is mm-hmm. fine by me because I don't want to waste much breath talking about him anyway. Yeah, I don't care. Um, hey, but- newsflash. You can have a terrible childhood and not grow up to be a, a serial killer. Those yes. things are not mutually exclusive. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he served in the U.S. Army, but was discharged in 1975. Guess what he was discharged for? For being gross? For gang rape. Right. For being gross. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So. Wait, a- also, how did he not get court-martialed and go to prison? Well, you know. That's a good question. He was in Germany and it's mostly like they just swept it in the rug and fired him. You know, right. But if you do, don't, don't, don't prosecute him. Just fire him. Brilliant. You guys rock. God. 
Uh-huh. It's like those angels of death that they just push him off to another hospital. Yes. Because it's easier to do that than take someone's license. Oh, my God. So after he left the army, he served uh, served time for, I wrote smaller crimes. I don't know what I th- thought that meant when I wrote it. Okay. Uh, but uh, possession of stolen property and misdemeanor battery and misdemeanor mm-hmm. assault. So he was racking up lesser charges than murder, I guess is where I was going with that. Sure. Um, and then he got his big break. Because lucky for him, the cocaine epidemic hit South Central. And he preyed on that and that alone. Um, so-, so not only do we have the cocaine epidemic where the police are preying on these people that use this drug... Um, drug dealers are preying on these people who use this drug. This is where we see the split between crack and cocaine. Um, now this guy, they're just getting it from all sides. I hate this. Yeah. So he, um, he targeted sex workers, runaways and people struggling with drug addictions because he knew that there would be little to no attention paid to these disappearances because they were seen as on the fringes of society. Which is still a thing. Yep. If so. you, you could, I can point you to about 15 different documentaries that will explain this, how this very same issue is still a problem. Yep. And like comes to mind first Long Island serial killer, that guy, um, that guy in Ohio that would, kidnap sex workers and murder them. They found like 15 bodies in his backyard. Yep. Gross. Okay. Oh God. In fact, I'm afraid my part's not going to be very long because I couldn't do enough notes to make me want to keep going. So just okay. Okay. It just will be shorter this week. It's fine. So his MO for his MO, he targeted black women whom he sexually assaulted photographed and then shot in the chest at close range with a 25 caliber gun. I hate this guy. He, um, he left their bodies in alleyways with the garbage. And (laughs) that is so symbolic and intentional that it makes my whole body cringe. Well, it's like, um, you're getting into kind of profiling there where, I mean, he has such a low respect for women that that's what he views them as. So I really considered getting a master's in profiling or like, um, in forensics to be a profiler. Um, well, criminal psychology, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, I was either going to do criminal psychology or forensic psychology, both lead <laughs> into. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really like profiles like that and i do too podcast put it together really succinctly for me um and then i extrapolated a little bit but <laughs> um yeah so he um the news reported that he took a 14 year break but i really highly doubt there was a break well and they touch on that in the show um they say like that they basically they think that he did not take a break that they just did not find these people's bodies. Right. And so that is the agreed upon kind of idea. 
Um, so anyway, after his 14-year break, his MO changed a little bit, um, where two of his last three victims he strangled with his bare hands. Not with a ligature, not with a, you know, rope of any kind. With his bare hands. And it just... That is so aggressive and barbaric. Well, you go back to profiling. Um, that is... You look at MO um, and stuff that the more... The closer you have to be to somebody, the more personal it is. Uh-huh. Um, so you see like an evolution to where he can be um, farther away, maybe. Shooting a gun. I mean, they're shot at close range, but you don't have to be as in somebody's face to shoot them as you do to strangle them with your hands. Um, so yeah, just show, like to me, it just shows him like devolving. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, his final victim, he strangled and shot. Um. So Excellent. it is assumed that the reason he um did not shoot at the end until that last one is that he knew that ballistics had gotten better and that things could probably be traced back to him more easily. Sure. Um, Although like from the movie, at least he's leaving his DNA like all over the place. Oh yeah. Oh, and he was all over. Oh, he was. Um, So experts maintain that his behavior is reflective of like revenge killings Mm -hmm. that he was scorned or injured or hurt by a woman in the past nope (sighs) that is not a thing Uh i'm sorry i'm sorry they did this with the golden state killer when they arrested him they were like he killed because this woman dumped him no he didn't no he killed because he's psychotic yeah he's deranged and gross and evil he didn't kill because some woman like hurt his feelings i'm sorry that it just right. makes me so angry because anytime they catch one of these guys, it always comes back to like what woman broke his heart. And that's bullshit. Right. Exactly. Um, one of the things I read was like his first wife was a drug addict and then this and this, and he probably had PTSD from that. And I was like, you can have PTSD <laughs> and not kill people. That's a thing. Oh oh. It's, it's just, our society is like so messed up that whenever a man does something wrong, we have to find a reason that he did it because I mean, men are so superior. We have to find the terrible woman that did whatever she did to him to make him this way, which is just ridiculous. And it even goes back to um, like a mother child relationship where they're like, well, his mom was crazy. And I'm like, well, I mean, that has something to do with it, but Right, we're not discounting that. that yeah, na- there's nature impact. versus nurture, but also this guy could have gone to therapy, could have, I don't know, done something. You don't have to just go out and murder people. Take I up don't- art. Yeah. Learn how to cook. I don't- Get a hobby. <laughs> so, um, Get a hobby that doesn't, uh, you know... Um, it doesn't include like rape and murder. Well, I don't here's, know. Here's why they, um, here's why they link it back to a woman. And that is because these women all had very striking similarities. And so, um, well, I'm not saying that the, the science of like somebody going after what they call a surrogate right. is like the person they put in place of the person that they want to kill. 
um, is not real. What I'm saying is that psychology is real, but the idea that some woman has enough power over this man to make him this way is not, it's all toxic. I just cut all this garbage, but it's all toxic masculinity basically. Right. Um, so anyway, so they all had these striking similarities that, um, so he tried to seek revenge on the woman or women that hurt him by raping and killing them. And I'm like, thank God he was convicted for 10 confirmed kills and one attempted murder. Um, but he's suspected of killing many more people during his 14 year hiatus. Hiatus. Um, so what, what stuck out to me as I read, and I kind of hit on this earlier is that he just dumped bodies in the like alleyways by the garbage and on the side of the road. Um, (laughs) But one of the things that people are suspecting that because he was a sanitation worker in that 14-year gap, that it was possible he used the um, landfills to which he had access to dump the bodies in, and that's why they weren't caught. Yeah, and they touch on that in the movie, but there was really no context there, so that's why I didn't put it in there. They didn't say, like, oh, you were working for the sanitation department, so we think you did this. They were just like, oh, you know, how many bodies are in the landfill? And I was like... Okay. Yeah. So that's why uh, in the movie, apparently, but uh, he was a sanitation worker and he did work briefly with the police department. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't even check to see what his work was. I hope it was just licking the floor over and over. (laughs) In the movie, he um, worked on the cars. Okay. Like cars. Um, And then actually it was very interesting because you see when they, when the captain like gives them the arrest warrant and they see who it is, Claymar, um, Ghostbusters, goes, oh, my God. He's like, he worked for us. He's like, I used to smoke with him. I thought he was funny. Mm-hmm. And you just see the realization that, you know, it can anybody can be shitty. And so many cases I find interesting that um, mm-hmm. people close to the case or, like, people who worked at the police department were able to – even um, in The Stranger Beside Me, doesn't she talk about the way Ted Bundy was able to... Maybe not. Did he infiltrate the police department? Um, I was reading that one and another one at the same time. And I think I'm he did. He used to hang out at the bar where they all hung out. That's right. That's right. And so, like, he would... Inf- he would, like, listen to them, but he knew, like, not to talk to... Like... Right. These are just kind of people. These psychotic sociopathic that he knows in the back of his mind, I can stay here, but I can't stay. I can't say too much or they'll be on to me. Right. Yeah. It's just like such a fucked up way of thinking. I can't even imagine having to organize all of those thoughts constantly in my head. Right. Like I'm too tired at all times to live a fake life. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Again, From take up a my hobby. normal life. <laughs> so, um, so in 2007, for those of you who are doing the math, that's 22 years after the killing started. God. In 2007, the police finally assembled a task force to determine the identity of the man that the media had dubbed at this point the Grim Sleeper. Good job, guys. Way to go. Some great police work right there. Um, Fucking assholes. They did call it the 800 Task Force or whatever you called it. Um, 
Because that's the room they were meeting in? Because of the room they're meeting in, yep. <laughs> Which, I mean, how else are you? I mean, honestly, what else do you name a task force? I mean, right? I, I I'm not a cop. Mine, I don't name task force. For I would name mine Lauren. Why? Seems like a good name for a task force. <laughs> or in well, sync, depending on how close I am to the others. The Backstreet Boys Task Force. Yes. I'm on it. Put um, me on that one, Coach. That would- <laughs> so uh, they worked and tried to obtain, uh, they collected all the DNA from the previous cases and worked to try to use DNA. And so in 2010, the Attorney General, Jerry Brown, um, he allowed the police to probe the California DNA database for felons. Okay. And so, um, it was really controversial that they did this because familial DNA, like you mentioned, was very controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it took some, once you have the familial match, then you have to go finding the, the match and you have to, I mean, it's a big process to get a familial match. Right. So just to clarify what we're talking about when we say familial DNA is you can run DNA through um, whatever database and it will like it can instead of looking for the exact match, you're looking for someone who is related to that person. Mm -hmm. So then what they do is they they get that DNA from, you know, this person that's related to them. And then they basically just deduce down like who was who was alive during that time, who was in the area during that time. And then they find, they use that to find the actual person. Then they test their DNA to get the 100% match. And then, yeah. Right. Exactly. Especially because it depends on how far away from the relative they are. Um, In this case, it was his son whose DNA they matched. And And it was in the movie too. He had been picked up on a weapons charge and then they, they picked up something out of his trash and then, Bing, bang, so, boom. Also, in this movie, it happens in about 30 seconds, which always baffles me because in the CSI world, DNA testing takes weeks, if not months, to complete. I hate Even that, now. <laughs> I hate that they buried the lead on this. So let me set this up then. He, um, They got the familial DNA. They matched it to his son. And so that made them start looking at the dad, um, specifically because you share 50% of your DNA with your kid. So... Right. That's a pretty close match. Right. Um, so the police, for real, followed him into a restaurant where he was attending a birthday party. Mm-hmm. And they had undercover detectives dressed like waiters and busboys <laughs> who collected his stuff and kept it. So they took his plate, his cup, and the pizza crust he'd been gnawing on. <laughs> And that's what they tested. And I cannot believe Lifetime missed the opportunity to show a, like an undercover situation. They didn't. They briefly mentioned it, but they didn't t- They didn't really um, go there, which they really could have. So, I feel like there could have been a scene where, you know, maybe he shaves his mustache to look more not yeah. like a cop. Yeah. And goes and like collects the pizza crust. Yes, that would have been excellent. Right. Hello. Yes. Also some really good comic relief because this movie was depressing. Right. <laughs> um, so I wrote in my notes, I really want to applaud the police for this because that's really badass. But it did take them 22 years to get started on this case. So True. But also like 
that's the real police work, like just going through the garbage at a pizza place and finding the right crust. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I don't know. I picture it playing out in my head, like Miss Congeniality. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So um, this DNA led to his arrest. Yay. So in 2010, he was arrested and detectives searched his home and they found nearly a thousand photos. No. Almost a thousand of women no. and teenage girls. Mo- many of them were naked. Some were unconscious and bleeding and some were even dead in their photos already. How do you tell? I'm just now reading back what I read. I'm just because they he says that he's like some of those women were unconscious and some of them were dead and I'm like well how do you know listen I teach English I don't I don't have an answer to that that's I don't know it was weird okay um the photos were actually made available to the public in hopes that um families could identify people who'd run away or who they'd suspected had run away Mm -hmm. that they could maybe put an answer to the question of where are they now? Um, and so, um, sorry, it's it's so heavy. Um, so after finding the pictures, the police really are strongly convinced that they've not identified all Franklin, uh, Franklin's victims. Uh, Mm -hmm. in fact, one of them said in a public statement, I know, or I am, positive that we are not lucky enough to have found all of his victims and he has 10 victims that they confirmed but if he is guilty of they have 14 more that he is a sim like a serious suspect for mm-hmm. and so that would put him at 25 and that would make him one of the most prolific serial killers in america yeah and it makes my whole stomach hurt that anybody could do the fact that he just kind of used where he lived and the um the view the the view of his victims like how society views his victims as his way to just fly under the radar for so long yep. is so sickening oh yeah um it's horrible because if these women had been, I'm sorry, I'm a white woman. If these women had been white women in a nice neighborhood, the cops would have been all over this thing. Oh, yeah. There'd be statements all the time. Don't hitchhike. Don't use the bus. If you feel uncomfortable, call the cops. Mm-hmm. We'll walk you to your car. I mean. But they don't. The fact that there was just nothing. It's heartbreaking that they just let this happen. And I wish that that were exclusive to L.A. No, it's not. I know it's not like the other day. Well, I mean, it's been a couple of years ago now, but um, I was driving with a friend who didn't realize how the bad part of town looks like they assume that we live in a society that treated everybody equally. So I drove them. That's some privilege right there. I drove them to the bad part of town and showed them that there are not even sidewalks. My the, the city does not care enough to give them sidewalks to walk to the bus stop. So the um as 
the, he was convicted, like I said, of 10 and then of the one attempted murder. But mm-hmm. um, they have since suspected him of the murder of Thomas Steele, who was a friend of one of the victims of the Grim Sleeper. And then anywhere between 14 and 100 additional murders of Jane Doe's. Like, he's a plausible suspect in up to a hundred murders. That's so many people. I'm, like, trying to... I'm looking at my living room. I'm trying to imagine, like, a hundred people in my house. Yeah. It'd be real cramped. Yeah. And I think this guy just murdered a hundred people and got away with it. And, like, the classy asshat he is, he still, to this day, maintains his innocence. And so he won't provide any help. He's like, it was my DNA, but I wasn't there. Right. His DNA was sprinkled over all of the crime scenes. I mean, sure. That's a thing that happens. So, Christine Pelosek, that's a real person, yes? Uh I'm going to talk about her. Okay, yay. Okay. (laughs) I got through all the, like, real depressing parts. Mm -hmm. Um, So... One of the one of the other things that really complicated this case were there were two other active serial killers at the same time. Jesus. So LA was dealing with three serial killers. So okay, I, LA man, what's okay? Look, Wisconsin was first. Now LA, what's going on? What is happening over there? You need something? You good? <laughs> the FBI, like oh. the NSA. So. Uh, do, you need, do you need the, the, the shooter from Grey's Anatomy with his very serious mustache to come <laughs> check things out down there? Jeez. Oh, um, so the, there are a few true heroes in this story. And Yay. so save them for last. Yay. Let's talk about the good things. Tell me all the good things. So there was an activist named <laughs> Margaret Prescott. <laughs> she is a civil rights activist. And she began a movement in the 80s called Black Women Count. And she um, she was the first person in the first organization to pressure the LA, LAPD into opening all of these cases that they had closed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had marked several murders as uh, NHI, which means no humans involved. And she was the first person to really see a trend in all of these. And so a no humans involved murder means there or, or no humans involved death means they overdosed. I have questions. Uh-huh. Weren't these women shot? So not all of them. Or but, strangled. Right. But okay. they marked them all in so a chai. If someone has been shot or manually strangled, which leaves marks. How do you, especially shot, how do you mark a shot woman as no humans involved? Yeah, you know, now you're asking the important questions. So they marked. I want to ask the important questions. I just want police people to do their job. Do your job. They marked, uh, so, sorry. They were, almost all of them that were marked in HI were sex workers. And. They were. And lived, what do they call it? A high. High risk. High risk lifestyle. Transient high risk lifestyle. Yes. Yep. Um, So she was the first to like come after the LAPD and. um, Good for you, girl. And tell her that they were, or to tell the LAPD that they were a serial killer and not random drug overdoses. And Margaret Prescott is still being a badass to this day. She has a radio show in L.A. Uh-huh. called Sojourner Truth with, Mar- okay. with Margaret Prescott. And uh-huh. she talks about um, 
local news and then worldwide news that will affect the local area. But she does a lot of advocating for, um, for people on the quote fringes of society or for any marginalized people group. And she is just to this day. Nobody should be on the fringes of society. Right. Unless you want to be, unless you want to live off the grid, that's your thing. But no other person should just be labeled as fringes of society. Right. But to this day, she is providing a voice for hundreds and thousands of people. And she is really doing God's work. Yes, girl. You continue to do God's work. The next person who was a true hero in this case, I mentioned at the very top, and that's Anitra Washington. Uh-huh. Anitra is a fucking boss. She, okay. um, so. Tell me about her. She survived her, like, she's the attempted murder. And she, um, survived and gave the only testimony they had about him in the 80s. And she, uh, she was super interesting just the way she talks i want to hang out with her <laughs> but she um she identified his car as a bright orange ford pinto mm-hmm. it looks like a hot wheels car with racing stripes on it they mentioned that okay so that again they mentioned this in the movie but it doesn't go anywhere so sometimes i don't know like what's a real reference and what's not so i just don't right so she gave him very good info or gave the police very good information um, and then she was interviewed again in 2009 and she gave him like, or gave the woman who interviewed her basically the same exact testimony. Like she has this photographic memory of this awful event and has held onto it with the hopes that they were going to catch him. And so she went and testified against him in court, looked him in the eye and said, that man there did this, this, and this. I mean, Good for you. She is a picture of strength. And she, in one of my, let's see. In one of the articles I found, I was looking to see on my iPad, which one it was that has a picture of her. Cause mm-hmm. I will show you. And then I will put this picture on our blog as well. Um, oh, here she is. I wrote on her face. It says this woman is a badass with a heart, but that's her. Yes. She looks like a badass. I want to have brunch with that woman. If you want to have brunch with us, please email us at lifetimesinitspodcast at gmail.com. So that is uh, Anitra. Um, and that's a legit offer. We want to have brunch with you. <laughs> yes, please. I will clear my schedule and drive to San Antonio. There's better brunch there. <laughs> Truth. Um, but I just, I am in awe at anybody who can look down their attacker mm-hmm. and provide testimony because that takes so much strength and she's had to live with that for 30 years almost with the hope that they were going to catch him yeah so um another true hero in this whole story um is not in, like involved in the case itself but i want to talk about this woman who um was interviewed in a movie a documentary called the tales of the grim sleeper that showed Mm -hmm. on hbo okay her name is pamela brooks okay and pamela brooks um lives in south central 
Okay. When she gave her statement on Tales of the Grim Sleeper, so she's featured heavily in this show. um, Right. She says, the police don't care because these are black women. It's not like Lonnie killed no high-powered white folks. We didn't mean nothing to them. We're black. What the fuck? Just another bitch dead. They, um, they blacked out whatever word she should not have been out there on drugs. So I like and appreciate anybody who is going to take on somebody head on and say, this is a problem. Um, so she just, the more I read about her, the more I have to watch this HBO documentary now. Um, but I know, I was just thinking I need to reactivate my HBO subscription. It's, um, it's also on... I looked it up today and it said Hulu and Amazon Prime with subscription. I don't know if that's subscription to HBO or just a subscription to one of those services. I'll check it out. So, um, But I just have to see more about this woman. So shout out to you, Pamela Brooks. You have me so interested in you. Yes, girl. Um, and then the last um, hero that I want to talk about is... The actual reporter, uh, Christine uh, Pelasek. And so um, Christine really was a hard-hitting journalist who worked for the LA Weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the LA Weekly is a weekly alternative news magazine, and it's right. free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so We have one here. It's called the SA Current. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So Christine Pelisek, um broke the profile of the murders and mm-hmm. she flat out said there has been no big press conference by Bratton, who was the mayor or police mm-hmm. commissioner. I mean, he was a police commissioner okay. who recently, but he did recently weigh in on Lindsay Lohan's love life. I mean, you have to cover the important story, right? right? And then she said, the camera-loving mayor recently beseeched the public to eat more nutritiously, but then didn't go out to uh, tell anybody, you know, that we have an active serial killer case. So this Mm -hmm. is like, that was in the 2000s whenever he had the three new victims that they discovered. Right. And she was like, hey, there's, there's a legit serial killer here, and your mayor wants to tell you to eat healthy. And the police want to tell you about Lindsay Lowen. I mean, I get it because if you're eating healthy, then you're not doing crack. So you're not on the streets in South Central LA. So you don't get murdered. Oh, makes sense. Right? Makes sense. So, um. These people are all fucking garbage. I hate them. (laughs) Even. Sorry. Um, I just got really angry all of a sudden. It's okay. This article said even with the identity of the killer ravaging poor black neighborhoods still unknown, the LAPD did not alert communities of possible danger or assemble a task force to solve the Grim Sleeper murders after two new bodies were discovered in 2002 and 2003. Why would they? Right, exactly. Because drug users and prostitutes don't read the paper. Mm-hmm. I I can't with that. So Christine actually broke the news that there was a serial killer. She is the one who named him the Grim Sleeper. Good girl. Well, maybe not the Grim Sleeper thing, but good for you. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't until this third murder that happened in 2007 that they formed this task force. And they Mm -hmm. did it secretly so they wouldn't have to admit that they'd known about the serial killer for a long time. Of course they did. So Christine broke the news of the task force. And then in 
a lot of cases, the LA Weekly was the first to inform families that their daughters had been confirmed as victims of a serial killer. Which is horrible. First of all, the police should be doing that. That's their job. Uh Uh-huh. Second of all, it is horrible to just be a reporter and, like, doing your job. And you're like, oh, so in the interest of um, full disclosure, I guess I should probably also tell you something that's not my job to tell you, which is that your daughter, sister, wife, whatever, was murdered by a serial killer. And also, the police know about this, but I'm telling you because they're not going to tell you. Like, right. and they have known you. since the 80s. Since the 80s. Oh. Like, I know the 80s sucked, and the 90s had bad fashion, but at some point you could find the time to get in your fucking car and go tell someone you've got news about their family. No. Okay. Um, so, it was really with all of her pressing that this story unfolded. Mm-hmm. And that is what journalism is for. Journalism exists to give a voice to the unheard and to share actual news that actually makes a difference. I know that we are in an age where people receive news that is either altered or fabricated 92% of the time. Yes. But I also believe that there are journalists in the world, because I have friends who are journalists who report truth and who report from the heart. Have you seen the new, any of the new advertisements for the New York Times? No. Oh, they're excellent. They're very poignant and excellent. You should go, just go YouTube one. Really good. Will do. Um, but that's what they talk about, like journalistic integrity. So those are my biggest heroes of this case. Yay, heroes. Um, Y'all are awesome. Everyone else sucks. (laughs) No surprise. They're all women. Yes, of course they are. (laughs) Come on now. Um, This was so rough. This was so rough. This was a rough one. But also, it was a lot of fun to research and to... Remember that these things happen so that we can make sure they don't happen again. And so that we remember we are, it is our charge to keep our local law enforcement honest and to stay informed. Yeah. And to use whatever privilege we have in our lives to help people with less of whatever innate privilege we have. Right. So, um, okay. Did you, Think of any other cases you would like to see turn into a Lifetime movie this week. Yes, I have two. Okay. Okay. So, when I was at And That's Why We Drink on Thursday, they covered the case of Lisa Nowak. Okay. Do you remember her? No. She was the astronaut that drove... Oh, yeah. Her diaper. Get a diaper. I followed that yes. case closely. <laughs> yeah, me too. So that would be like the best Lifetime movie ever. Yes, it would. And then on a more poignant note, <laughs> less trashy note, um, I watched a Dateline and I, it was actually an update. It was um, one that they, they, they ran the original story a few years ago and then they ran an update last week. Um, it's a girl named Amanda Linhout. Um, she was a journalist. She had... A, or she is a journalist. She had the um, 
dream of traveling all over the world. She actually went to Somalia. Okay. Um, to do a story and to also fulfill her dream of traveling to every country in the world. She was kidnapped by um, terrorists um, and held captive for 10 months. And then her mother, because of course she's from Canada, but um, of course Canadian and American government, they don't negotiate with terrorists. So basically they told her like, you know, here's all this equipment. You're on your own. So her mother basically negotiated the release of her and her friend that were there um, held captive. Um, And then the update was the fact that several years later, this guy, this kidnapper reached out to them on Facebook, basically wanting more money. Did you see my eyes get bigger? Yes. So no, wait. So he reached out on Facebook. They um, informed the Royal Canadian Mountain Police who set up an operation, got this guy to agree to come to Canada based on the idea that they were going to give him a book deal about his experience in Somalia. Uh-huh. And they arrested his ass. Way to go. <laughs> that is police work. So he's in jail now. And I just think, it. Uh, first of all, nobody dies. So that's number one. Uh-huh. Number two, her story is very compelling, um, very interesting. Um, and just, I think it would be a great Lifetime movie. Yeah. And also they film all those movies in Canada. Like, go for a Canadian story. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah. It's a really, uh, it's one of my um, favorite Dateline stories, the original. So when I saw they were going to do an update, I had like set my DVR and recorded that. And it was really, really good. It was really, really, really interesting. Also, she looks a little bit like Kate Middleton. So I'm always on board with that. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, so. What about you? If I am. Directing a new Lifetime movie. Mm -hmm. It is over Terry Lee Hoffman. Do you know anything about her? No. She was a cult leader in Dallas. And Shut up. What cult is in Dallas? The conscious development of body, mind, and soul. Which anytime you have that many words in a church, it's a cult. Are you sure you're just not talking about the real housewives of Dallas? (laughs) No, but... So she was wackadoo and a half. (laughs) But she uh, started this cult where she convinced people that they were fighting evil in their minds and they had to sit in circles and like fight evil in their minds. Oh, no. I just think it would play out so well. Um, There's a lot of dying in here, but. Oh, honey, no. It's. So fucked up. Right? That I would love to see this one that on Lifetime. crazy. I'm going to send you the Wikipedia link. To oh, and I was going to tell you this, Amanda Lynn Hout, she has a, um, since you like, you, you like true crime books, she, ha- she wrote a book about her experience. And I can't remember what it's called. Da, 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 da. I think it's called a, um, a Castle in the Sky. But hold on. I will find it. Uh, a house in the sky. That's what it's called. Okay. I'll look it up. Mm-hmm. And she, it's basically, she co-wrote it, I think with her, but it's basically um, her and her mom talking about how, how they just were able to do this negotiation and get her back with basically no help. Yeah. From anybody. Like, and you can they play like the phone calls where she's like 
crying. She's like, mom, they're going to kill me. And the mom is like so calm because she's like, all I could do was be that person that was calm for her. Like I could not break down and lose my shit. Right. In that moment, even though I wanted to, it's really sad, but no, I'm sorry, very, very this. interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. one of them. All right. Well, I'm excited for next week. Tell everyone what we're <laughs> watching next week. We are watching the Gypsy Rose Blanchard movie. I'm so pumped. I can't remember what it's called. Love you to death. Love you to death. That's right. Okay. I am super stoked. Um, I am going to live tweet this movie. Um, so I follow us at Life Sentence yes. Pod. Please follow us. Uh, um, that's not right. Life Sentence Pod. That's right. I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, please follow us. I'm going to live tweet it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have Dr. Sarah on. She's going to tell us about Munchausen's by proxy. We're just, this case is bananas and, um, makes up for our depressing. We will make up for our depressing because literally I already have jokes for days. Oh, for days. For days. Um, yeah, this case is exactly the kind of thing I need. It's salacious and it's supposed to be sexy, like to the people that were involved, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. I'm really excited. Guys, don't forget, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Yes, please. Go leave us a review, rate, That's subscribe. What rate, review, and subscribe. I'm not on YouTube. <laughs> no, you're not. Rate, review, and subscribe. Click the button. <laughs> and look at look us up on social media. We're at Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, and we're on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod, and, and email us at Lifetime Sentence Podcast at gmail dot com. And you can find our show notes and the pictures I promised y'all on our website at Lifetime Sentence Pod dot com. Yes. So until next week, um, we will do this thing again with a much funnier case. Absolutely. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening. This episode is dedicated to the victims of the Grim Sleeper, Deborah Jackson, Henrietta Wright, Barbara Ware, Bernita Sparks, Mary Lowe, Lashrika Jefferson, Alice Monique Alexander, Francis Berthamu, Valerie McCorvey, and Janicia Peters, and to Anitra Washington, the survivor who lived to tell her story.